So I've got two solutions to this. Why don't yep. these glasses have some sort of scrolling dot matrix display at the top, <laughs> which says, I am filming you. I am just have it. I'm filming you. I'm filming you. I'm filming you. You could just tattoo it on their forehead. But, the, <laughs> but more than that, what about visually impaired people and blind people? So shouldn't there also be an audio warning? saying i'm a twat i'm a twat i've just come into the room i'm a twat i'm wearing facebook glasses i'm a twat smashing security episode 244 facebook ray bands vpn spies and ai camouflage with carol terrio and graham cluley hello hello and welcome to smashing security episode 244 my name's graham cluley and i'm carol terrio and this week Carol, we're joined by returning guest it's mark stockley hello mark Hello. The wonderful Mark. How are you? How are the chickens? Uh, chickens are... Um, <laughs> yeah, never mind your family. <laughs> Thanks to this week's sponsor, 1Password. Its support help us give you this show for free. Now, coming up on today's show, Graham, what do you got? Well, I'll be asking the important question. Can you trust your VPN's VPs? And what about you, Mark? I am going to be talking about Facebook's worst idea ever. and i'll be talking about duping facial recognition can it be done all this and much more coming up on this episode of smashing security now chums chums i bring to you news of a legal nature it comes from the united states where the department of justice has just revealed that three former u.s intelligence personnel have admitted helping the United Arab Emirates get their hands on a series of zero-day exploits for the purposes of spying against people, including American targets. Is this kind of like the CIA wanted to know about someone internally can't go to the FBI because they hate each other, so they get a third party (laughs) to intercept (laughs) and do it for them? Is that that what this is? I love your mind. I love your mind, bro. (laughs) It's complicated, as they say. <laughs> you've just made it sign- I mean, as if world politics were complicated enough, you've taken it to a whole new level where the CIA is outsourcing spying against its own nation. They've taken that to an enemy country. No, that's, that's, that's not what's happening. Okay. What Phew. appears to be happening is the UAE, they had a, an operation called Project Raven. Good name. And what they did was they, they hired within Project Raven a number of people who used to work for U.S. intelligence. And they said, oh, could you join our clandestine hacking team? Could you possibly help us hack your fellow Americans with your knowledge? And three people who used to work in U.S. intelligence have now admitted that they've been doing this for the UAE. And uh, those three people, I'll give you their names, Mark Bayer, Daniel Gericki, and Ryan Adams. They were senior managers at a UAE-based company called Dark Matter. I can only think of like two reasons why someone would do this. One, right. disgruntled. Two, Wonga. <laughs> or maybe disgruntled <laughs> with their Wonga. I mean, <laughs> or disgruntled by their Wonga. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Well, yes. I, for one, am shocked that spies <laughs> have turned out to be untrustworthy. <laughs> it is a isn't it? Who'd thought? Duplicitous they are. Who what? <laughs> he said one thing and meant another. And now he's gone to work for this foreign company, Dark Matter. 
And if you go to Dark Matters website, by the way, they haven't got much in the way of a website. They've just got a holding page. Is it dark? It is. Yes, they've they've used some CSS to you have a black background, and it says they are dedicated to providing secure, trusted, and integrated cyber protection services to government agencies and businesses. Yeah, but everyone says that. Boilerplate, we do the good stuff. <laughs> yeah. They don't say they help governments so spy on their enemies. no effort at all into their website. <laughs> it's the cut and paste it's kind dark. of dark. Now, these three men, they are accused of integrating an exploit into a UAE hacking tool, a hacking tool called Karma. Karma well, with a K. That's ironic. Which, yeah. Now, in early 2019, Reuters reported that Karma could basically give hackers access to your iPhones. All you have to do is a tool where you can upload loads of phone numbers or email addresses. And as if by magic, it would hoover up photos from the phones, emails, text messages. Users didn't have to click on anything. Last week, we had Tom Langford talking about zero-click exploits. It's a bit like that. Get location information from people's iPhones. Only works against iPhones. Can't intercept phone calls, but clearly could cause a lot of mischief. But you wouldn't even know it was on your phone. They're just kind of collecting all this stuff from you, hoovering it all up, and uh, know everything about you. Yeah. And the thing about iPhones is if you can successfully get on them, there's nothing on there that can detect you. Yeah. Because because there's this complete walled garden and you can't have antivirus or anything like that. So there's, there's... you know, you, you hope that the, the great big wall that protects you holds up. But if it doesn't, then you have no idea, basically. Mm. And targets include the Emir of Qatar, journalists, a senior Turkish official, a Nobel Peace Prize winning human rights activist in Yemen. Um, and it's claimed that these attacks uh, done with the Karma tool, they accessed compromising and sexually explicit photographs of some of their targets. How many people? How? <laughs> Many people have sexually mm-hmm. explicit photographs of themselves on their phone. All of them. Really? Yes. Let's do a survey right now. Mark? <laughs> no, obviously not. No, I do not. obviously. Everyone apart from Mark. But only because I don't know how to work the camera. <laughs> <laughs> no, but like, I just don't get it. Just in case you forget what your boobs look like. You're of a generation, Crossway. <laughs> you might want to take a photograph right now, Cross, so you can remember them in the future. <laughs> Because they're Ouch. never going to get any better than they are now. <laughs> oh, see, that's but that nice. goes for all of us. Yes. Anyway, all of our boobs. boobs aside, boobs aside. I assume it's safest to just to round up and say everyone's doing it. I mean, clearly not everyone is doing it, but I think enough people do it that you can just round up to everyone. But I, I mean, I find it like you go to all the trouble of hiring these ex spies yes and coming up with a zero day for iphones which is you know i mean it's not simple and it's certainly no. very very expensive and then you yeah, put this crazy millions. spyware on there and then you're like ha ha nude photos <laughs> well yeah, exactly. they're not like, <laughs> they heard of porn sites exactly. mark they're not doing it for a quick rubber duck duck <laughs> right they're, that's not <laughs> That's not why they're getting the photos. It's so oh. you can influence, isn't it? It's so you can oh, it's, it's a little for bit blackmail. compromat. Yes. Yeah. yeah. That's why they're doing it. Or they might want to see where you are in the world. They might want to see your emails and who you're talking to and that sort of thing. Yeah, but you didn't mention those things. <laughs> no, I'm just You were like, ah, nudes. <laughs> now, now. These three gentlemen, right? These three gentlemen who've been charged by the Department of Justice. I was interested. So they used to work for this company, Dark Matter. What are they doing now? Right? I thought I know how to use LinkedIn. Yeah, I know how to use LinkedIn. (laughs) Exactly. So I went on LinkedIn, and it turns out 
that these former U.S. intelligence personnel knew better than to maintain a LinkedIn profile. So I wasn't able to find out much about Mark Bayer. Um, <laughs> so I didn't find out much about him. But the next guy, Ryan Adams. Have you heard of Ryan Adams at all? Didn't he go on to have a successful singing career? Exactly. Everything I do, I do it for you. <laughs> no, that's, no, that's Brian, Brian Adams. Adams. There's also a Ryan Adams. Ryan Adams and Brian Adams. Yeah. How's that allowed? What, what do you mean? Well, Ryan obviously looked at Brian and went, well, it worked for him. <laughs> Was it Twitter wouldn't allow him a B or something? Well, what, so there's <laughs> someone called Ryan as well as Brian. It shouldn't, it, it, it should be like actors. They should have to have different names, I think. Anyway, so I couldn't find out much about Ryan Adams. But the third guy, aha, uh-huh, Daniel Garicki. Okay. He's an interesting chap because he is currently working for a computer security company, specifically a company which is a well-known VPN company called ExpressVPN. But he's currently working for them. Yes. Daniel Garicki has been hired since December 2019 as their CIO. So the DOJ came out and said, hey, these three dudes have admitted to helping the UAE. Nothing we can do about it, so they're just going to crack on. Well... (laughs) No, that, thanks for listening. No, no, no press Carol, release. That's not what the DOJ press release says. It doesn't say nothing we can do about it. They wish charged it them. They've admitted their guilt, yeah. and if they assist the authorities, then maybe they'll get off with a fine of a few million dollars. Oh, okay. Right? So okay. how do we know they're not already assisting the authorities? Well, maybe they are. Maybe there's kind of like wink, wink. If you assist us, <laughs> mm, well. So ExpressVPN CIO is this chap, Daniel Garicki. What's and the I stand for? What, the, D- Daniel Garicki. Yeah, not the what's, I in the Daniel, no. What a, <laughs> in oh, the, in the CIO. CIO, oh, I see. Uh, I, I, chief Insecurity <laughs> Officer, maybe. I don't know, something like that. Anyway, ExpressVPN, if you go to their website, they describe themselves as first and foremost a privacy company because, of course, VPNs are what you use Of course, if you want to put all of your internet traffic through some company you've never heard of rather than through your ISP, (laughs) right? And hope that they will treat your data with respect. And And to be fair, most of them say that's what they do, right? That they dump and flush the data, they keep nothing, they're your best friend, privacy buddies. Yeah. Yeah. Now, ExpressVPN are an interesting company. Just this week, they were acquired by an Israeli firm called Cape Technologies for the small stuff. Just a, just a trifle, $936 million. Oh, my God. They didn't even make it to a billion. I know. Pathetic, isn't it? You <sighs> could, they could have tried harder. Now, Cape Technologies, which has bought ExpressVPN, they used to call themselves CrossRider. Now, CrossRider was <laughs> a rather unpleasant firm. They injected ads into websites, sometimes removing the ads <laughs> that the sites wanted to be there. Ah, so the and sort yeah. of thing you might want a VPN to protect against. Exactly. The sort of thing that you'd, <laughs> you, you wouldn't find particularly trustworthy. You think that's well, a bit grubby. Keep your friends close, your enemies closer, right? Yeah. yeah. So they then pivoted from being an adware provider Pivot. Yep. To, to becoming <laughs> some kind of security firm and a provider of VPN services. They renamed themselves CAPE. They bought up CyberGhost, ZenMate, Private Internet Access, three big uh, VPN companies. And they also bought two leading VPN review websites. So when you (laughs) go... This is fine. This is fine. (laughs) So you will find, if you go to two particular, very popular 
VPN review websites, they will typically recommend VPNs which are run by this company or under their umbrella. It's just... Okay. So... Yeah. So it's all a bit grubby. And if there wasn't enough grubbiness and controversy about ExpressVPN being acquired by CAPE, we now have this revelation that ExpressVPN CIO was not so very long ago helping the United Arab Emirates government hack Americans and activists and heads of states and journalists. And I have to say, would you really trust your VPN if they hired somebody like that? Well, he obviously knows what he's doing. Which is pretty much ExpressVPN's point of view. (laughs) They have posted (laughs) it up on their blog. They say, oh, yeah, we knew about his background. We knew that he provided counterterrorism intelligence, both to the United States and, while employed to dark matter, to the UAE. But it says, we didn't know the details of what he got up to or any of his classified activities. Well, blow me down with a feather. They sure do know now. So what is ExpressVPN actually doing about this? Putting out a press release saying we're very proud to have him on board. (laughs) Yes, and publishing a blog post. What they're not doing is they're not saying they're firing him. They appear to be keeping him. And they think that this is going to go down a storm with their customers. I suspect he locked himself into a very beautiful contract saying, if you decide to get rid of me, you need to give me mucho, mucho wanga. Because I think that they probably sat down for the meeting and he said, before you fire me, I just want to show you this very interesting thing I found on the internet. I found some images. Yeah. Which appear to be even taken on some of your phones. Is that is that you? In that Are those photograph? your knackers? Is that is what that, that is? I can't really tell. It's so close. It's like an episode of Naked Attraction. So ExpressVPN, they say they are simply harnessing the firepower of our adversaries. Oh. And that's how we protect our customers better. Who's the PR whiz kid that came up with this? Yeah, by, by applying his background and expertise, Daniel has been central in helping ExpressVPN protect our customers. And it says it has controls in place in case he turns out to be a bit of a bad egg. <laughs> <laughs> so just rest assured, you know... I wonder who created those controls. Mark, what have you got for us this week? I have got the the worst thing Facebook has ever done. That is big boots to fill, Mark Stockley. I mean, they've gone pretty low before. This is, I mean, this is a personal opinion. So we'll see, we'll see where you guys end up. But my story (laughs) is about Facebook's new product, which is called Ray-Ban Stories. Oh, Okay, I know nothing about this at all. Nothing, it is, nada. It is so, the, yeah, I, educate Mark, me. I'm with you. It is the worst thing. Okay, ever. so this, I'm going to love it. This takes a bit of <laughs> this takes a bit of scene setting. I know that will come as a shock to you. I love a scene set. Let's take go, some go. scene. So, so bear with me as we set the scene. So, when you were a child, did you ever own a pair of spy glasses? Oh. They're spectacles with mirrors on the inside. And if I remember correctly, I think half the lens is taken up with the mirror so that you can look behind you and you can spy on somebody without you knowing. I did. I had those. (laughs) They're quite cool. Yes, you could watch people behind you. We couldn't really. Yes. So they they were always sold in the backs of comics. Anyway, the point of my scene setting is that by the time you reach adulthood, Mm -hmm. at least in the English-speaking Western world, 
I reckon you're probably fully indoctrinated into the idea that spectacles are the perfect place to mount discrete surveillance equipment. Right, and yes. And there's a reason for that. It's because they are. Okay, and you don't have to take my word for it, and you don't have to believe the comics, but there actually are surveillance glasses, and I went and found some this morning. They were sold on websites that are given names like spying equipment. Like, there's no pretense about what they are, and they're Mm. all the same. They're basically innocent-looking glasses that have got cameras in them so that you can record people, but they don't know that they're being recorded. So all of which is to say, yeah, so you reach adulthood, and you've kind of culturally indoctrinated into the idea that spy glasses are a thing or they could be a thing and you could be spied on by someone with spy glasses and you wouldn't know it you might be getting the idea that this is a form factor that doesn't completely engender trust and you'd be right and actually we know this for a fact because somebody actually tried it a few years ago oh yeah do you remember google glass of course (laughs) whatever happened to google i've I've tried them before i tried them before did you you try google glass girl did you get beaten up they're ridiculous only glass holes wear them. Because you take little pictures, with it, you just press a little button on the side and it takes snapshots. They were really dorky looking, weren't they? They made you look like a ball. <laughs> he was wearing like toe sandals, right? So, he, you know, he was Were they perfect. equipped with cameras as well? <laughs> Probably. So, <laughs> yeah, but that doesn't matter because then you just get fantastic pictures of other people's feet, wouldn't you? Okay, crack on. Crack so, on. I, I mean, as you, as, you, as you spelled out, Google Glass was basically glasses made by Google that had a camera on them. And they, they were kind of an Android phone in the form of a pair of glasses. But they, like a really interesting thing happened with Google Glass. It, it seemed to sort of step over a line that we didn't know we had. Because there was a huge backlash to it. I'm not sure they ever even got out of beta, but loads and loads of people had them. I think yeah. Google was doing a big sort of research project to, to, to see what would happen. Um, and what happened was they got banned from a load of places. So they got banned from uh, like movie theatres and strip clubs and basically anywhere you don't want someone uh, filming your intellectual property they got uh, they were banned from hospitals uh they were warning signs went up in uh, restaurants and bars and cafes uh and as graham said like it got its own insult glass holes <laughs> i never you know, heard you that, I, Google I, glasses, you that glass up. I actually thought graham you were a little clever there the thing that really stuck out about google glass for me was there were actually films i can't remember if they were filmed by the people wearing the google glass i think they were of yes. people beating them up for wearing google glass because you couldn't tell if you were being filmed. So if somebody walked into a crowded bar wearing Google Glass, there was a, a kind of non-zero chance that actually they were going to get set upon. Yeah. Um, so the form factor, that thing that we've all been programmed into, you know, we already understand spy glasses, you know, you might be being spied on. That was definitely a problem, but it probably also didn't help that it was Google that was doing it because nobody trusts Google, right? I don't I don't understand this term form factor. Am I supposed oh, so to just the... the, the um, the form of spectacles, so the the, mm. the oh, like gl- just the shape, that's right? Why. Oh, the, the shape of the, the shape. glass, yeah, the shape. Yeah. I see. Okay, got you. Carol, imagine you're in a pub and two people walk in. One of them is wearing Google Glass, and the other yep. one is Michael Bublé. Mm-hmm. Which one are you going to punch first? That's what you have to ask yourself. <laughs> <laughs> well, I wouldn't punch the person with the glasses. <laughs> <laughs> like it's probably going to be uploaded directly to the cloud. Oh, okay. So for that reason, you're going to punch Michael Bublé, <laughs> beloved of middle-aged women around the world. He's not. Don't insult women. Oh my well, God. I know a middle-aged woman who is quite keen on him. Okay. 
friend of the show, Yogi. <laughs> is she middle-aged? I don't know. <laughs> She's not middle-aged. That's why no, I'm okay. dying over here. <laughs> Mark, please save him. So what I was trying to say was, like, the, the fact of the existence of spy glasses is itself a problem. Yep. But attaching that to the name Google, I think, is probably yeah really, like, because nobody trusts Google, right? Now, can you think of another company out there that people <laughs> might trust even less than Google? Ding, 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 ding. <laughs> Facebook. Caroli, could you can you think of anyone? Any no, I companies? think I have to agree. I mean, I can think of lots actually, but uh, yeah, probably Facebook. Well, I think it's really interesting that you have both identified Facebook because clearly Facebook itself couldn't, because it has decided to pretend that Google Glass never happened, and it has invented something that has all the things that people hated about Google Glass. Only it's made by a company that people hate the same, if not more. So, what could possibly go wrong? So these glasses, by the way, they look like normal glasses and they've got a couple of five megapixel cameras in them. They look like Ray-Bans, don't they? They're like Ray-Bans Well, they look sunglasses. like Ray-Bans because yeah. they are Ray-Bans. Because ah. it's possible that somebody at Facebook did actually put Google and Glass together and, and figure out that attaching Facebook to spy glasses might not go down brilliantly. So what they've done is they've done a partnership with Luxottica, who are the people that make Ray-Bans, and they've left their name off it. So they're called... Ray-Ban stories. Oh, so they don't say Facebook on them? No. I'm looking no. right now. So there's this little kind of button on the side. Yep. Is that where you take pictures and do all your crap? No, no, the, the button turns it on and off. Right. Do you have to touch it? It, it can be voice activated, Crow. You can say Facebook start filming and it'll start oh, that, doing That would be fun for everyone else, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Film that, Facebook. <laughs> Anyway, I think this collaboration with Ray-Ban is really interesting because, you know, obviously Facebook is trying to launder its name by attaching it to Ray-Ban. But I'm not sure that Ray-Ban has completely thought this through. Yeah. <laughs> that's some heavy lifting. Like, is Ray-Ban going to elevate Facebook or is Facebook going to sink Ray-Ban? I'm going to go look at Ray-Ban stock pricing, stock prices, <laughs> just to see if they hit some trouble. So I know nothing. There's a few interesting things, I think, with these glasses. I mean, I'm not naturally a violent person, and I wouldn't <laughs> normally hit someone or break their nose. But there is this something. Is, this is a bit I'm not a racist, but. <laughs> <laughs> but there is something about someone wearing Google Glass, for instance, which kind of makes you want to do it. And it's not just that they're spying on you or might be spying on you, but there's something a bit dorky about it. And just like, you look a bit of a twat. I really okay. don't like that you're spying on me. These ones from Facebook slash Ray-Ban aren't as offensive looking. No, they look like Ray-Bans. But what they're doing is really upsetting. But what they look like, what they look like is the spy glasses on the spying equipment website. Right. The only other one, the really high profile one out there is the, the Snapchat. I can't remember what they're called. Snapchat oh, yes, I remember. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, they look kind of ridiculous. You're absolutely meant to see that someone is filming you. It's got this sort of big circle of LEDs going and the lenses are really big. But the Ray-Bans look just like the spy glasses, although they do have a little tiny LED on them. Uh, although there's already various privacy bodies are kind of going, well, how big is that LED? Is that is that really enough? Well, and why doesn't the LED flash, right? It's a solid yes, light. Exactly. It's like a rangefinder. On the other side, of the, on the other side, right over the other eye, there should be a flashlight so that you can just get really perfect lighting, right? A bit like Orbital in concert. So what's going to upset people is that 
people might be filming them without their permission, right? And indeed, they may not realise that they're being filmed because there is this little LED, but who's going to notice that anyway? Otherwise, the glasses look fairly normal. It's not flashing. But also, I shouldn't have to watch a Facebook product video to learn that there's an LED. Right. To understand that if somebody walks in to a room and has camera lenses in their glasses, that I should expect to see an LED, that if I don't see an LED, I'm not being filmed. Yeah. And if I turn my back, I'm not going to see the LED anyway. I, I... So why don't they? So I've got two solutions to this. Why don't yeah. these glasses have some sort of scrolling dot matrix display at the top, <laughs> which says, I am filming you. I am just have it. Scroll. I'm filming you. I'm filming you. I'm filming you. They could you. just tattoo it on their forehead. But, the, <laughs> but more than that, what about visually impaired people and blind people? Don't they have a right not to be filmed and photographed? by someone wearing these glasses. So shouldn't there also be an audio warning saying, I'm a twat, I'm a twat, I've just come into the room, I'm a twat, I'm wearing Facebook glasses, I'm a twat. Before we wrap up, have you seen the launch video? No, is this like the promo launch video? So this yeah. is an actual product. This isn't a joke. This isn't like no, a this is, April No, this product thing. is on sale right now. But the launch video, I mean, I love it and I hate it at the same time. It's one of those so bad it's good videos. Okay, so I want you to imagine that you're Facebook and you've decided your name's a bit toxic or, you know, you need to up your cool because Facebook is decidedly not cool. And you've landed a partnership with Ray-Ban and you've made sure the Ray-Ban name is on it and you're going to do a cool launch video (laughs) to get your product going. I want you to choose somebody really cool to be on your video. Who are you going to put on the video, Caroli? I knew you were going here. I knew you were going here. <laughs> I have no idea. Mark Zuckerberg, obviously. <laughs> obviously. Oh, no. The most relaxed, natural person on earth, Mark Zuckerberg. <laughs> Carole, what have you got for us this week? So we have a perfect storm a Bruin. And tell me if you agree with this this concept, right? So COVID has made us much more wary about touching stuff we don't need to touch. Do you guys keep sanitation gel on the car, for example? On the car? In the car. Oh, sorry. <laughs> That's a step too far. You smear it all over your vehicle. <laughs> it, when you go to the market or whatever, the supermarket or whatever, you don't paw all the oranges as you might have pre-COVID in order to find the juiciest ones. You might kind of go, I'm going to use my eyes <laughs> to just uh, just pick, pick the ones that I want so that I don't, you know. Yeah. Right? Am I, am, I, am I being crazy? No, not at all. I was just imagining you smooshing uh, an orange into your eye for some reason. <laughs> <laughs> then I realized you meant looking at them. Like, you just don't touch as much. Like, I don't think, Graham, you and I have hugged in, I don't know, years probably. Yeah, yeah, it's been great. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, and also, I haven't had a cold in two years. Like, literally, that must be a total record. And it, I mean, it sucks not hugging kids that you like and all this, but, you know, the silver lining is good health, right? I mean. So, I've just had a a horrible cold. Yeah, but you have kids. Exactly. I I hadn't realized how much. I had enjoyed not having colds. <laughs> and then, but it, it kind of, you know, it's like the germs have been saving it up. So when you finally get one, it's like not a normal cold. A lot of people have talked about this, saying that they're getting a lot less colds. And so they want to avoid that. So I don't know, like, think about it now. So now post-pandemic times, certainly, well, currently in the UK, you know, with quotation marks. <laughs> 
We have big quotation marks. <laughs> yeah, I, know. I agree. I agree. People need to get from A to B, you know, for work or to pick up their kids or to, all the things. And, you know, maybe some people are going to gyms and, you know, people are now looking to facial recognition to help them process people like hotel chains or gyms. Okay. And how do you feel about these people, say, you know, maybe even public spaces like local government? How do you feel about these people having your facial recognition information or data or data points and and them storing that? Does that make you feel – so it's similar to Mark's story. How do you feel about that? Is that good or do you not care? Well, I have too late? full confidence in the powers that be um, <laughs> storing such information securely and only using it appropriately. Uh, I'm sure it would never come to any harm and would never fall into the wrong hands. So no problems I, I, here. I, I agree with Graham. I think after three decades of nobody having their data breached and everybody uh, understanding perfectly, you know, how to secure systems and keep data safe, we can all rest easy that um, no bad will come of this. I cannot wait to use those quotes out of context. Who needs Liarbird? <laughs> So I think the thing that really disturbs me about these sorts of systems is not even so much who's going to store it or whether or not going to store it safely. It's that things, the more that, the more complex you make things, the more unintended consequences you have. Yes. I, I think that's what's happening with facial recognition now is there was a, uh, there was an initial sort of burst of enthusiasm for it and loads and loads of police forces around the world all kind of embrace this technology. And then, there's a lag and then you start to see the unintended consequences and the fact that so many of these things rely on machine learning, which is, you know, prone to whatever bias you have in the material it's trained on because it's, it's, you know, it's a machine that learns. You, you give it examples of the things you want it to spot and, and, it, uh, and, and it spots them, you know, whether it's faces or, or whatever. I don't think anyone would say though, it's not in its nascent age so to speak, right? So I would agree. It's totally, you know, I believe that it's completely probably biased, you know, to an nth extent because the rep the samples have not been representational of the world in any way. But as they use it more, I can imagine the argument being used like, well, look, if we, if you can use it in all these places everywhere across the world internationally, our data will become very accurate, which raises a second problem, which is public or rather the users of facial recognition. See, isn't that weird to say that if it's in a public domain, that you're a user of facial recognition, but you have not consented to being scanned, right? So similar to Mark's story, you're, you've not said okay. Well, you might have done. But I don't think my face should be like a license plate. <laughs> there, might, there might be a little sign on the outside of the building saying by entering here, you agree that we will be using facial recognition and we'll be doing X, Y, and Z and... Okay, but what if your local government decides to do it across the city? Yeah. In a shopping mall, I suppose, you know, and how big should that sign be? Does it, can it be like in 10-point font, like near the door where they say CCTV in action? You know, is that? As long as it's about the same size as the one which tells people who are wearing Google Glass or Facebook gray bands. <laughs> so fuck off. <laughs> yeah, then I'm happy. <laughs> So, anywho, not everyone's happy about facial recognition that we've learned. So, there's a few researchers out there trying to push the boundaries and see if it's possible to dupe facial recognition. Now, we talked a little bit about this in episode 168 
where we talked about C.V. Dazzle. This was an artist who explored how fashion could be used as a camouflage from face detection technology. Now, one of the arguments at the time was, okay, cool, but people will see you coming a mile off with, you know, that sort of like razor haired, you know, Basically, structures in front of your face to mask your actual yeah, C- face. CV C- Dazzle, they, they sort of had crazy haircuts and things, didn't they? And, and bizarre makeup. Exactly. Now, there's been a recent new study that I wanted to share with you to see if you thought this was more legit or not. Okay. So, Motherboard covered this. This is where researchers found a rather easy way to bypass facial recognition technology. And according to their own reports, it's pretty darn successful. And they used makeup. <laughs> so I'm going to quote. When you say they used makeup, do you mean like Justin Trudeau <laughs> uses makeup or some other sort hey, of Hey, 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 hey. Hey, come on. What happened with the elections yesterday? He got I in. looked yet. He got in. Did he? Yep. Still huh, has a minority. Like... Snigger. I don't mean like that. I mean. In Parliament. <laughs> okay. Okay. Sorry, quote. but being a man, I'm sure Mark can agree with this. We're, we're not big fans of Justin Trudeau. Okay. Why? Well, he's too hot. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. He's too yeah, bloody basically, hot. Basically, yes. <laughs> yeah. He's too hot. He's tall, handsome. He's young. He's powerful. Yeah. Okay. This is what Motherboard wrote about this research. Okay. In their experiment, the researchers defined 20 participants as blacklisted individuals, right, on the facial recognition software so that their identification would be flagged by the system when recognized. Make sense? Mm -hmm. So I say, if Graham Cluley, here's his pick, you know, this guy comes through flat, you know, alert, alert, lock all doors. No, no. Right. Right. Yeah. Um, then they used a selfie app called UCAM Makeup to digitally apply makeup to the facial images according to the heat map, right. which targets the most identifiable regions of their face. So I, when you said makeup, I assumed you meant makeup. Well, how does the... Oh, no, she meant, she meant makeup, uh, Mark. She didn't mean makeup. <laughs> okay. <laughs> okay, I've sent you guys a link, okay? Uh-huh. And here, let me give you the timestamps just so you can quickly see the um, the looks that can be created by... Oh, my God. So what it says on this video is how to become a TikTok e-girl with just a few taps, right? And uh, you can go through a few of the looks there. This is how you glow up your UCAM makeup. These are all the, the words that Oh, I see. Use. So it adds makeup virtually to your little video thing. So if I was doing a TikTok dance... I'm not sure I'd call any of these things makeup, though. I don't know if you saw the one where she's actually wearing clouds across her nose. (laughs) (laughs) So we have the look, the sweetheart look, which has hearts across her nose, as though they're like, you know, I don't know, like um, pee-pee longstockings freckles. And then you've got clouds, desert, sandy glow look. I'd love, you should show your daughter, Mark, and see if she thinks this is amazing or horrific. I think she's she's already very... Well versed in this, I'm sure. I'm just, I'm amused by the idea of trying to dodge facial recognition by wearing clouds in front of your face. I mean, I think, I think that's a fantastic idea. I'm just wondering how you maintain the clouds. <laughs> yeah, yes. Well, here's part two. So I'm thinking, 
hmm, this is going to be fairly obvious to people if like Graham Cooley walked down the street with like a bunch of clouds over his nose and eyes. I wouldn't walk down the street like that. I'd sashay. <laughs> but then I got it wrong because, quote, a makeup artist then emulated the digital makeup from UCAM Makeup onto the participants, but using natural pigmented looking makeup in order to test the target model's ability to identify them in a realistic situation. So, so the one with the clouds, for example, across the face, they would put them all in flesh tones across your face. Oh. Yes. They say they did it in different lighting and they had two or three different cameras set up along a hallway. There is a YouTube video. Let me send it to you guys so you can take a look and I will put it in the show notes for our listeners. Maybe CCTV cameras use that special wavelength of light that reveals weapons and pants. Yeah, so here it says this. It says, participants wearing the makeup walked through a hallway to see whether they could be detected by a facial recognition system. The hallway was equipped with two live cameras that streamed to the MTCNN face detector, and the researchers evaluated the system's ability to to identify the participant. I'm a a little bit confused about why they had to do clouds. Is this actually just a really elaborate advert for some makeup app? (laughs) They could have just done wacky lines. No, I think that's exactly it. They can do any different type of pattern. All it needs to do is obfuscate the face in a way that changes the heat map of the face, (laughs) at least as far as I understand it. So apparently, this is the findings, and this is maybe a little bit interesting. So no makeup at all, right? Like you guys walk around every day. Participants were detected in almost 50, so 47, 48% of the captured frames. So basically, one in two frames would be able to recognize who you were. Okay. And this is uh, you being already alerted on this system as someone they don't want to let through, right? So your picture's already been uploaded to the system. If they wore random makeup, like many women do, it was, it drops to only a third of the frames from about half to a third, just wearing random makeup. So just uh, when you say random, do you mean like just normal patterns of Lipstick. makeup? Yeah, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I guess. Yeah. Uh, and using the researcher's method of applying makeup to the highly identifiable parts of the attacker's face, mm-hmm. they were only recognized in 1.2% of the frames. Wow. So makeup can bugger up facial recognition systems is what they found. And that is probably due to the biases instilled in the current algorithmic, you know, backlog, right. back catalog. Because if they were mostly white men, middle-aged white men or, you know, young white men, then mm. and most of them wouldn't be wearing makeup. Can I ask a question? Mm-hmm. So my question is this, right? You know how they have controls and provisions to prevent people from buying lots of fertilizer in case they create a fertilizer bomb or munitions or you know big <laughs> knives and things like that you know because you're going to cause some sort of terrorist outrage should they similarly be policing makeup counters inside department stores in case some dodgy folks come you buy too much slap and begin to because <laughs> and, and, you know, if people who normally wouldn't buy those kind of products suddenly begin to buy them you might begin to say well what 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 do you want this for what I find 
What I find interesting is that Dolly Parton is circumnavigating the future. Like she wears a lot of slap and she's going to get through everywhere. Can I say just, I'll just, I just not love the fact unrecognizable. That, I love the fact that you've used the word <laughs> Dolly Parton and circumnavigating at the same time. It had certain created <laughs> a certain image for me in my head. <laughs> what? It's not circumcision. No. Goodness I, I think, me. I think Graham was thinking more about orbiting globes. <laughs> Thanks to this week's sponsor, 1Password. Did you know around 80% of business data breaches result from weak or reused passwords? Well, using 1Password can close the gaps in your company's security, combat shadow IT, and help your employees stay both productive and secure wherever they are. With the right tools, the right mindset, you can create a culture inside your company where your employees feel empowered to share responsibility for security risk management. 1Password makes the secure thing to do the easiest thing to do by letting your employees stay secure without slowing them down. For employees, 1Password makes it easy to play their part in personal security and by extension, company and customer security too. So what are you waiting for? Find out more. Try 1Password for free for 14 days. All you've got to do is go to onepassword.com. And thanks to the team at 1Password for supporting the show. And welcome back. Can you join us on our favourite part of the show, the part of the show that we like to call Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week. Pick of the Week is the part of the show where everyone chooses something they like. Could be a funny story, a book that they've read, a TV show, a movie, a record, a podcast, a website, or an app. Whatever they wish. It doesn't have to be security-related necessarily. Better not be. Well, my Pick of the Week this week is not security-related. You know, under lockdown, we've all taken on new little hobbies and things like that eating (laughs) and one thing which i have returned to is i bought a book a while ago by a chap called james rhodes and james rhodes is a pianist uh he's also a public speaker he's an interesting chap with a troubled background which i'll let you read about because it'll bring down the tone of the show but he has written a book called how to play the piano where he says he can teach anybody provided they have two hands and ten fingers, how to play Bach's Prelude in C major, number one, within about five or six weeks. So I hope now you are going to play the piano for us. So I'm ready for this, Graham. This is an absolute treat. Without further ado. Ladies and gentlemen, what was it called? Prelude number one, C major. So yes. basically the key that the piano is tuned to at all times. Yes, Good. yes. Now, I can't play all of it. As you can hear right now, I can't play all of it, but I can play about the first 30 seconds. That's because I haven't really been doing my homework. I'm supposed to spend four minutes How long have you had this book? I've had the book about two years. Yeah, I've had right. it about so two So he said six right. weeks. He said and six you've weeks. had it for two years and you've learned 30 seconds of it. That's Meanwhile, I learned to become a painter. <laughs> anyway, it's it's a great book. And I've also recently, well, for some of those two years, can I say I didn't have access to a piano, which rather stunted my ability. I would have given you my, I would have lent you my keyboard. Yeah. I, well, thank you for mentioning that now. We didn't I, ask. Uh, well, your keyboard doesn't have enough keys on it. Oh, that's right. You bitch, because it only has two and a half octaves. Yeah. So um, I have recently purchased 
an electronic keyboard with weighted keys, which is rather good and rather affordable. And if anyone else is in the same position as me and wants a little bit more tinkle tonkling in their life, then I can recommend the Yamaha P45. Better, yes, better pianos are out there, but it's rather splendid. And uh, that's what I've been using. Links in the show notes. We can both find out about the book, watch James Rhodes speak about music, or indeed find the keyboard. And that is my pick of the week. And the we piano. Can't. You'll never have to listen to Graham play again. No, Graham, you're great. I think it's great. You should do more of it. You should do half an hour a day. Come on. I should. You're yes. Right. I should. Discipline. Art is good. Uh, yeah, I know. Mark, what's your pick of the week? My pick of the week is a book called Origins. It's by Lewis Dartnell. Now, anybody, way back when I, uh, on a previous episode where you invited me on, I, I mentioned The Knowledge, which was Lewis Dartnell's first book. And that was the book where he basically said, this is how you reboot civilization. This is the technology that you would need to acquire after an apocalypse in this order. And it was really a kind of grand tour of, uh, humanity's technological evolution and and he wrote that book and he took a step back and he went no i don't think i covered enough ground it wasn't really big enough so he's decided to write another book which covers a bit more ground and it's literally the origin of everything it's a fascinating book and it's all about how things like tectonic movement of uh the the earth's uh, the plates around the earth and the the uh variations in the earth's orbit and wobble and things like that affected the evolution of life on earth and the development of humanity so why did humans develop big brains when they developed big brains and that sort of thing and probably my favorite thing from the book so far is just the fact that all of human civilization the entire thing the whole the decision to kind of settle down domesticating animals growing crops industry all of that kind of stuff is happening in a pause between ice ages that we're actually living in uh, an era of enormous ice ages that last for uh, hundreds of thousands of years with brief pauses in between them and we're about 12,000 years into a 15,000 year pause between ice ages so it's that kind of stuff big stuff mm. do they talk about chickens uh, we haven't got to the chickens chapter yet. I'm about halfway through <laughs> this, but I'm looking forward to that tremendously. Yes. So as we know, chickens are dinosaurs. And if you doubt yeah. me, then just come and visit my chickens. This is great. My husband will love this. I've put it in my basket in buying it for him. And as he never listens to the show, it will be a surprise. Uh, Crow, what's your pick of the week this week? Uh, mine's great. It's called Lifelines Radio 4 Series, now in its fifth series, and it's 15-minute episodes. So you kind of sit on the shoulder of actress Sarah Ridgway, who plays uh, this character called Carrie, who is a call handler in an ambulance control room. Okay? It's awesome, guys. Oh, my God. So each episode deals with like a single or a series of calls to the 999 ambulance and she handles the calls. So we're kind of listening in on all her calls. And I think part of the joy of it is you also get, uh, you get these little flash glimpses into her daily life, like, you know, say trouble at home or whatever. And then you can see how it impacts how she deals with callers. And dealing with callers is like helping like victims of an emergency. Are you okay? Do you want to have a sip of water? I've run out of water. Carry on. <laughs> okay, I'm almost done. Sorry, I go. See, this is how Graham hurries me through my bits. <laughs> this is how he makes me less relevant on the show. 
he gets tired by the end. <laughs> He's getting old, Karama. So, I know, I know. know. And it's always, yeah. It's always so long, bed. you know, hour, hour and a half. It's, you know, at his age, that's a lot. But, you know, you you see how she handles, like, helps victims, but also spots time wasters and some criminals. It's all fiction, but it's gripping. I mainlined it like a podcast addict, you know. I made a whole Middle Eastern feast while listening to uh, three series without interruption, which was a perfect afternoon over the weekend. Um, So, where do you get it? You Brits are lucky. You can find it, the entire back catalog on BBC Sounds. Um, and the rest of you can hear a snippet for free on the podcast, BBC podcast called Drama of the Week. Last week, Lifelines was in the feed, uh, which is how I actually spotted the show. And I'd never heard of it before. So so you spotted it last week? Yes. And you've mainlined three series? Well, they're 15 minutes, right? And there's maybe six episodes per series. So yeah, and I made dinner for about, I made it, I made homemade falafel hummus. Yeah, it makes sense. I've, I've watched a whole load of um, Married at First Sight UK uh, in the last week or so, which is uh, <laughs> similarly highbrow. What, what did you make while you were doing that? What did I make? I, ma- I made a bit of noise on the piano. But only 30 seconds. Yeah. <laughs> I love it. Lifelines, Pick of the Week, BBC Sounds, or Drama of the Week podcast, wherever you get your podcast, check it out. It's great. Well, we've had some terrific picks of the week this week. Mark, your book sounds fascinating. Carol, your drama thing sounds all right. And the piano, however, wins, I think. <laughs> yeah, sounds, sounded better than your piano. Six weeks. And that's just about wraps it up for this week. to learn it, and you've learned 30 seconds in two years. I'm sure lots of our listeners would love to follow you online, Mark, and see what you have to say for yourself what's the best way for folks to do that you can follow me on twitter i'm at mark stockley simples and you can follow us on twitter at smash insecurity no g twitter allows to have a g and we've also got a smash insecurity subreddit and don't forget to ensure you never miss another episode follow smash insecurity in your favorite podcast app such as apple Podcasts, spotify and overcast Thanks to this week's episode sponsor, 1Password, and to our wonderful Patreon community. It's thanks to them all that this show is free. For episode show notes, sponsorship information, guest lists, and the entire back catalogue of more than 243 episodes, check out smashingsecurity.com. Until next time, cheerio. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. Bye. Okay, I'm going to find this picture of this girl and delete it from my phone because... No, but Mark, thank you. Because you're right. It's absolutely appalling. It's fucking appalling. So why did you take the photo again? She had cool hair and I was taking the picture for a friend who was looking to get her hair cut and didn't know how to do it. And I said, oh my God, that would look perfect on her. Let me grab a picture. Oh, I'm too embarrassed to go up to her and ask if I can take a picture of her face. So I'll do it surreptitiously. And then I, then I sent the picture. I sent sent the picture. Yes, I did. This is like little, okay, I have to admit, this was 15 years ago or 10 years ago, 10 years ago when like, you know. Well, it'd be everywhere by now. That's, that's, that's like 10 years in privacy years. Yeah. 10, no, that's like 150 years in privacy. 150, 10,000 years. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs>